0: So, guess what? We are at the last book of the Bible. Um, I read that first. Who wins? Who wins? God. Yeah, Jesus. We do. Okay, Christians. Uh, No matter how much persecution, no matter how much we made fun of, no matter how much everything the world hates against us, we are one in Jesus. And so, uh, there is a war coming. Well, it's already here, right? Okay? There is a war now. It is a spiritual war. It is not a physical war. We've got to separate that. We have to as Christians. Because w- the world looks at us and we're like, oh, we hate this person. We hate that person. We hate this person. We hate that person. And we're not going to do anything for them. No, 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 no. It is a spiritual battle. We love the person. We don't like what they do. But we love them because God created them. And God is the one who will deal with them, not us. Anybody who comes against us, who are they really coming against? God. They're not coming against us. So we get to love them, and we get to share with them, and we get to, even if they kill us or murder us, we're getting to go to heaven. So either way, it doesn't really matter what they do to us. Because we read the end of the book. Jesus wins. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. He is almighty. He is everything that we are not. He is holy and righteous and wonderful. And Jesus has brought us to God. He is the Lamb. And so there is a war now. Ever since Jesus went back to heaven, we have been in a battle for almost 2,000 years. This is the end times. The end times started when Jesus rose from the grave. It has been the end times since then till now. We're still in the end times. And what's coming up? Jesus is coming back. I don't care if I die or I get buried and there's another thousand years. I know for 100% fact that Jesus is coming back. Why? Because everything else came true. He fulfilled everything. That's why if you're not a Christian, you're still under the Old Testament. You're still under the law. You still need a blood sacrifice. The only blood sacrifice that can cover any of that is who? Jesus Christ. That's it. That's why we preach Jesus. <laughs> because he is the way to God. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And so there is a war right now. We need to love people, not battle with them. Now when they start questioning Jesus, then we answer with truth and love. When they start bad-mouthing the church, we tell them the truth with love. When they come against us with gossip, we tell them the truth in love. When they start doing things to bar us from meeting together, then we go underground and we do it secretly. But we do it in love and truth. There will be a time, I promise you, I am 100% because we don't learn from our history, that there will be a time where the, the church will separate. There will be people who are faithful to God and his word, and there will not. And the world will go to those people who are just itching your ear. Oh, everything's okay. You're all good. You don't have to change. Gee, I wonder what that sounds like today. When you come to Jesus, you will change. Period. There is no turning back. When you are 100% sold out for Jesus Christ, you will change. Your speech will change. Your mind will change. Everything in your life should be changing. If it's not, then you need to mature. You need to get in the Word. You need to get with Jesus. If there's no change, then why would you even want to follow Jesus? There is a change. There's a change of what we think about, what we what we look at, and what we watch, what we hear. We need change. The church needs to stop being like the world, because we read the end of the book. This is encouragement. When we get to Revelation, oh, it's encouraging. Please read it. Yeah, some people are like, oh, I'm confused. Just read it. It's awesome. Actually, it's supposed to be encouraging. See, we read Revelation and then we look towards the future. But when they read it, they read Revelation. It's the most referenced Old Testament book in the New Testament. So all the reference of the Old Testament has been put in the Re- revelation. So when people read it that time, they looked towards when? The future or the past? They looked towards the past. Because I understood the picture and the imagery. Of Revelation. And so if you read the Old Testament, if you read the New Testament, you'll understand Revelation. Because it's so beautifully made to have this picture or like or as. And it's an awesome book. It's encouraging. But even though persecuted from the world, that we that we got all these things in our life, Jesus wins. And we don't have to be ashamed about it. Jesus wins. Look at Revelation chapter 17, verse 14. It even warns us. When you become a Christian, they warn you. It's not all butterflies and rainbows. It is going to be hard. But it's worth it. I don't want anybody coming to Christ and saying, well, it's going to be a wonderful life. I, I do love that movie. Anyway. It will be a wonderful life. Spiritually, but you are going to hurt emotionally, you're going to hurt mentally, you're going to hurt physically, because the world hates you. What do they do to Jesus? They put him on a cross. <laughs> if Christ's followers, that's what Christians mean, if Christ's followers are Christ are following Christ, what do you think they're going to do to us? It might not be a cross, but they are going to persecute us. Because there's only one way to heaven, and that's Jesus Christ. Look at Revelation. Oh, we'll go through this. 17:14. They will wage war against the lamb. Who's the lamb? Jesus. But the lamb will triumph over them, because he is the Lord of Lords and king of kings. And with him will be his called, chosen and faithful followers. Who's that? Christians. <laughs> Our war is not of flesh and blood, but with evil spiritual realm. We will expose it if we read the Bible and do what God says. Our war can be won by things unseen. Check this out. Here's our weapons as Christians. You ready? We do have weapons. First of all, it's the Bible. That's the sword of the Spirit. And the second thing is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Can we see those things unless we act them out, right? You can't put uh, goodness in a bottle and say, ooh, that's goodness, look at that. No, we can't scientifically prove goodness, but you can see the actions of it. And so what's our weapon? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and faithfulness and self-control. The world is out of control, but Christians should be in control, self-control with the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? When the world looks at the church and they're like, they're out of control. What's wrong with those people? It's just a, it's just punching the Lord in, in the eye. It's splitting up the church. we got to be in control. In control of our sexual life, in control of our uh, things that we see, all the things that we do. But we can't do it without the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Because as a human, there's no way I can have good self-control unless I have the Spirit of God. Our war can be won by the truth. If we are in the truth, if we are in Jesus, then it can be won by truth. Our war can be won by prayer and faith. You know what the greatest weapon against other people? Maybe not against them, maybe for them. is prayer. I can pray for each one of you and you would have no idea what I'm praying for. Isn't that great? And that's only between me and God. And hopefully my prayers are answered. And if they're not answered, God is still God. If they're not answering my way, God is still God, because he sees the whole picture. Sometimes he will say no, and you're going to be like, either going to be bitter or you're going to be better. You're going to better yourself in your faith, or you're going to say, fine, God, if you don't like it that way, I'm leaving. But he knows everything. He knows the past, present, and future, and we've got to give it to him and leave it there. Our war will be won by Jesus. I read the back of the book, Jesus wins. See, uh, in college, I was not a really good, avid reader, because uh, Katie helped me. Thanks, Katie. You're wonderful. I got involved with reading. In high school, man, I was, yeah. I used to read the highlights, or if they had footnotes, and it wasn't online. You actually had to buy a book. Um, if they had the footnotes, and then I would read the back of the book. And then I would get the test, and I would be like, an A because <laughs> I would cheat. Anyway, that was high school. College was a little bit more difficult because I'm paying for it. So I still read little chapters in the back of the book. And did I get A's on my test? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I had to read the whole thing and take notes, and it was it was a mess. But we get to the point is, we need to read the whole Bible, and then we'll understand Revelation that Jesus wins. Because from Genesis 1-1 to the end of Revelation, it's all about Jesus. And from Genesis 1-1... It starts out with what? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then what's the last word in Revelation? Amen. The whole Bible is a prayer for us to come to God. Everything is about Jesus. And so he wins. He's victorious. Look at number two here. Jesus is victorious. Revelation 19, 15 through 16. Now, this is a cool picture. Just think of this thing. I would like to like in, insert these into AI and get a picture of this. This is just really cool. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. Now, in, in the New Testament, what is the sword of the Spirit? The Word of God, the Bible, right? Okay, so can you see it? All these like words, sharp swords coming out of his mouth. Strikes down the nations. With what? Truth you literally have to oppress the truth. And people know it in their heart's of heart that this is the true thing, but they literally have to oppress it and make up some weird idea. Listen to this. He will rule them with an iron scepter. What does an iron scepter do? It hurts, doesn't it? It's authority. It is this is the way. Huh. Stop worse. Sorry. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe, and on his thigh, and this is just a cool picture, on his robe, you can see his robes with all these words, and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Or we could say in our vernacular, he's the governor of governors, he's the president of presidents, he's the mac daddy of all mac daddies, that's a 90s reference, sorry. He's the big cheese of the big cheeses. Ah, he's the goat. There you go. Uh, greatest of all time. Goat. He has this sharp sword, the Bible, the word of God, the word that actually spoke universe into existence. He has that word, the truth, that is going out. If you read the Gospel of John, the first chapter, it says he is the word of God. Jesus is. Jesus has rule over the nations because he's a spiritual king and cannot be killed. Our president, our governor, our king cannot be killed. That's why I'm not of America. That's why I'm not of this world. I'm just passing through. My nation is Jesus. And if America falls, so be it. I'm still going to follow Jesus. He is the ruler. He is the king of kings. He is the lord of lords. He rules with an iron scepter, with justice and mercy. He is in the wine press. what, What do you do when you're on the wine press? What are you trying to get out of the wine press? Wine. Well, yeah, wine. <laughs> but impurities. You're trying to get all the impurity out. So he is thumping. And it's going to hurt because why? We need to get that stuff out of our lives. It's not going to be easy because the world is so tempting. I mean, just look at the pictures on the Internet. It's like, oh, that's good. No, it's not. <laughs> Stop it. Say no. Have the Holy Spirit. Get the impurities out. He's pressing down. He has the robe, which is a sign of what? Authority. He is the one. On his thigh, where the you know, typically where you would have a secret weapon to attack, where would you put it? On your thigh. Okay? And especially if you're Ehud. Ehud the stud. You ever heard of him? He's really cool. He's a good, really cool guy in the Old Testament. It doesn't say stud. It just says Ehud. But we call him Ehud the stud. Anyway. He was a strong man, and so when they, when they came into the king, they would have to pat you down, and they, you know, they typically didn't look at the left leg. Or was it the, right leg? the right, right leg? Right leg. That's right. They would look at the left leg because everybody back then was right-handed. They didn't look here. And so he was told by God to go get the king, took a knife, stabbed him in the gut, and all the fat rolled over him. He was so fat. And then he didn't even take it out. He just ran and, and booked it out. of him. But he killed an evil king. So here's this idea that the authority, the secret, is that he is king of kings and lord of lords. And when you say king of kings, no one can rule over him. Except for he is Jesus. He is the ruler of all. He's the ruler of all kingdoms. He is the ruler of all everything. He is the commander-in-chief. He is the king of kings. And when you told people that you were following the king of kings and not Caesar, what would be the sentence? Death. Now now these days, I love the Constitution. Now we could say Jesus is king of kings and not die. But it's coming. And then when you said he was the lord of lords, that was even further. That you were going to adore and worship Him instead of Caesar. And so this was encouraging to Christians, like, yes, I am picking the right way, the right calling, the right everything, because He is the truth and He is the way. And I still have to love people. Oh, here we go. Get your Bibles. Get your Bibles out. Your Bible apps. Turn to Revelation 21 and 22. Wait, it's okay. There's my Bibles on, on technology. Here we go. We're going old school today. So these are really cool Bibles. They're, they're big letters, so you can read them. Because usually I have to go, woo, how you doing? Revelation 21. I'm going to tell you the end of the story. Oh, this is good stuff. Because if you're a Christian, you better be excited. If you're not, get with Jesus. Because this is what's going to happen at the end. And it's some good stuff. Uh, On the black ones, it's 1891. Oh, that's a good year, too. Anyway, Revelation chapter 21 and 22. I'm just going to read it, not going to stop, because this is good stuff. God already has good stuff in here. Here we go. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, coming down He who has a seated on the third said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. To those who are victorious will inherit all this. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexual immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. One of the seven angels who had seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. It is shown with the glory of god and its brilliance was like that a very precious jewel like jasper clear as crystal it had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates on the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of israel there were three gates on the east three on the north three on the south and three on the west the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Andrew, who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, and as wide as the high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurements and was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper and the city pure gold as pure glass. The foundations of the city's walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, and the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each gate made a single pearl. The great street of the city of gold was pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is the lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life." The angel showed me the river, uh, water of life, as clear as crystal. Flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down in the middle of the great street of the city, each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees are the healing of the nations. No longer will be the ending curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. for The Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, and when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing me these things. But he said to me, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. Then he told me, Do not seal up the words of this prophecy of this scroll because the time is near." Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do what is right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right of the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs that are who practice magic art, the sexual immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who practices loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride says, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy, of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. And if anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from the person any share in the tree of life in the holy city, which is described in the scroll. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people Amen. Amen. Jesus is in every book of the Bible. I, I gave you a handout. If you didn't get it, it's in the back. You ready for this? In Genesis, Jesus Christ is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, Jesus is our high priest. In Numbers, he is the pillar of the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he is the commander of the Lord's army. In Judges, he is the judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In the first and second Samuel, he is the seed of David. In Kings and Chronicles, he is our reigning king. In Ezra, he is our faithful scribe. In Jeremiah, Jesus is the rebuilder of everything broken. In Esther, Jesus is our Mordecai and our advocate. In Job, Jesus is our ever-living Redeemer. In Psalms, he is our shepherd. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he is our meaning of life. In the Song of Solomon, he is the loving bridegroom. In Isaiah, he is the prince of peace. In Jeremiah and Lamentations, he is our weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, the glorious Lord. In Daniel, he was the fourth man in the fiery furnace. In Hosea, he is the faithful husband. In Joel, he is the outpourer of the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he is the burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is our judge and savior. In Jonah, he is the risen prophet. In Micah, he is the ruler of the world from Bethlehem. In Nahum, he is a stronghold. In Habakkuk, he is the watchman. In Zephaniah, he is the mighty to save. In Haggai, he is the restorer. In Zechariah, he is the branch of David, the one pierced for us. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness. In Matthew, he is the king of the Jews, the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God. In Mark, he is the servant, miracle worker. In Luke, he is the baby in the manger, the son of man. In John, he is the son of God, the living word, and the way, the truth, and the life. In Acts, he is the savior of the world, ascended Lord. In Romans, he is the justifier. In 1 Corinthians, he is the resurrection. In 2 Corinthians, he is the comforter. In Galatians he is our liberty, in Ephesians he is the head of the church, in Philippians he is our joy, in Colossians he is our compassion and the glue that holds our world together. In 1st and 2nd Thessalonians he is the coming king, in 1st and 2nd Timothy he is our mediator, in Philemon he is our benefactor, in Titus he is the blessed hope. In Hebrews he is our perfection, in James he is the power behind our faith. In 1st and 2nd Peter he is the Christ shepherd, I mean chief shepherd and chief cornerstone. In 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he is our truth and everlasting life. In Jude, he is the foundation of our faith, our security. In Revelation, he is the king of kings and lord of lords. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the keeper of creation and the creator of all things. He is the architect of the universe and the manager of all times. I mean, manager of all times. He always was, he always is, and he always will be. Unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, but never undone. He was bruised and brought healing. He was pierced and eased pain. He was the persecuted and brought freedom. He was dead and brought to life. He is risen and brings power. He reigns and brings peace. The Lord can't I mean the world can't understand him. The armies can't defeat him and the schools can't explain him and the leaders can't ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him, the Pharisees couldn't confuse him, and the grave could not hold him. Nero couldn't crush him, Hitler couldn't silence him, other religions can't replace him, and the world cannot explain him. He is light, love, longevity, and the Lord. He is goodness, kindness, gentleness, and God. He is holy, righteous, mighty, powerful, and pure. He, his ways are right, his word is eternal, his will is unchanging, and his mind is on us. He is my redeemer. He is my savior. He is my guide. And he's my peace. Jesus is my joy. Jesus is my comfort. Jesus is my Lord. And he rules my life. Jesus is coming back. And you better be ready. Oh, it's 1204. Man, you run late, Frankie. Who cares? In heaven, there's not going to be any time anyway. It's going to be forever. I'd rather spend forever with you instead of saying, oh, you went over. Because this is good stuff. This is what's going to last. Not the pews, not the building, not the money you have, not the clothes that you have. Nothing's going to last except your spirit. And where is that going to reside? Is it going to be with Jesus or is it going to be here? I'd rather point to him now and be with him now because he is everything. Guys, get with Jesus. (laughs) We don't know when he's coming back. I mean, we could walk out here right now and he's coming back. And when you make it, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. If you don't have Jesus, you're not going to. Will it be hard? Yes, will it be worth it? Definitely. But Jesus is coming back. He's in every book of the Bible. It's been proven outside the Bible, inside the Bible, through science, through not science. All kinds of stuff It is proven that Jesus Christ came. He died. He, I mean, Jesus came. He, he lived an innocent life. He died. He rose again the third day. 500 or more people saw him. And you have a choice, Jesus or not. That's it. There's nothing in between. So I ask you come and put your faith in Jesus today. As we reflect on these things, that Jesus is in every book of the Bible, make your decision. Is Jesus or nothing?